This podcast contains strong language and adult themes. Listener's discretion is advised. Hello and welcome to A Page Too Far, the show where each week one of us picks a book and summarizes it to the other person. Is it bad? Is it good? Yeah. It is. It is. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next time. My name is Hingle McCringleberry, and with me as always is my co-host, the artist formerly known as Squeeps. Today we are looking at the book Orphans of the Sky. I like the title. It's it's a good title. It is actually a compilation of two books. Can a compilation be two? Sure. I, I guess. I, I mean, it was a book and a sequel that were short stories. That Conjunction? Were Maybe. <laughs> Conjunction, junction. What's your function? <laughs> but the first book was called Universe, and the second book is called Common Sense. <laughs> okay. And I didn't know when I set out that they were two different stories. I knew Universe was the book, and that was the book that I looked up, and I found Orphans of the Sky through uh-huh. that. Um, I'm going to tell you how I found this book before I actually get into it, because I want you to know the premise that I knew going into it, because it helps it make a lot more sense. Okay, okay. The originals were written in 1941 by Robert Heinlein. He was well-known in, like, the Silver Age of sci-fi, but, like, Asimov kind of that era of sci-fi. Okay. You're saying a lot of names I don't recognize, so you know, that, that's why I'm not You know nodding. Asimov? No. Asimov wrote iRobot. Oh, well, I love his work. (laughs) (laughs) He is probably the most well-known subject. Isaac Asimov. Yes. Okay, I have heard of him. Yes. I just, uh, without the Isaac. I threw the name out there with no context. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, No, you're okay. Uh, But uh, these, these two books were originally published in Astounding Science Fiction magazine, back when magazines had actual stories published in them. Oh, yeah. Which was awesome. Playboy did that for, like, they were one of the... uh, OGs. Yeah. Of yeah, like yeah. Short stories and stuff. Yeah. And uh, that's how like Sherlock Holmes exists because of that too. Right. Yeah. They wrote for magazines. It was it's it's amazing how we got away from that because people don't read anymore. So they were originally published in 1941. They were first published together as Orphans of the Sky in uh, 1964. And it's about 220 pages long. Oh wow. For both of them together. For both together, yes. That's pretty good. It is. It's very good. It was it was a very quick read. But the way I found this book was actually listening to somebody talk about uh, their experience with sci-fi novels and how they got into Lord of the Rings uh-huh. because they would they read that as the first fantasy book after getting into sci-fi. Right, they wanted to yeah. branch out into other genres, pick fantasy, got Lord of the Rings. It was actually Stephen Colbert was who I was listening to. Oh, okay. He recommended this book. Not nice. to me, but just in general. Right, right, right. Yeah. Uh, and the premise that he's, he gave, which makes a lot more sense because you can, you can figure it out fairly easily, but it adds context two things that way I won't have to dodge questions later. Right. Okay. Is um, this is a book about the first manned ship being sent to the nearest star, Proxima Centauri. Gotcha. Okay. And that trip is generations long and... It's a generation ship. It's, it is. It is. It is. Yeah. Generation, and it's um, uh, long enough that the people have forgotten that it's a ship. Right. That's a... Yeah. I... I may have heard of this book before. It's it's very very popular for that, right? Because yeah, I, I've I have read and heard stories of generation ships, right? And everyone I've heard talk about it is like this is you know either based on or inspired by this original mm-hmm. work. So exactly, I've heard of the book. Don't right. know anything about it other than that, right? So that's and that's where that's where it is. So people forget that it's a ship. So there's there's all kinds of like references to swearing things like that. And I'm like, wait, what did he say that was a sw- oh okay. Hmm. Just different different things where words have taken on new meanings. Right. Uh, so we're going to start with the universe being the first one. Let's jump in. 
We open on a group of people shouting, there's a mutie, look out. Mutie. And I, as in mutant? As in mutant. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Hugh Hoyland. Hugh Hoyland. Hugh Hoyland. Ducks as a piece of iron hits right where his head was a moment ago. Okay. Um, it had been launched out of a slingshot, which it took me forever to figure out. Because <laughs> they just danced around the they danced description around, or and something. And they talk about slingshots, but later. So I'm like, like so at, some- at this point, they're just like a piece of iron hit, his, hit where he was. And then he does what he does next. But it doesn't tell you what flung the iron. So it's just later, they're like, the, later they're like oh yeah, we used. have slingshots. Like, so- oh, well, that now that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Okay. He pulls a knife and he floats lightly to his feet. He is joined by two of his friends, Alan Mahoney and Mort Tyler. I enjoy Mort as a first name. Yeah, that's a great name. Yeah. It's short for Mortimer, right? Probably, yeah. Not yeah. in this book. So far, okay. it's just Mort, but but that that does make sense. I also enjoy it. Did you ever read Mort by Terry Pratchett? No. It's one of the funniest books I've ever read. It's like book nine in the Discworld series, which is like 400 books. I've, I, I have heard of the Discworld series. Yeah. Have not. I only it. ever read Mort, and it's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, anyway, they think it was a female mutie, and they think it had four legs, but they... <laughs> I love that. Just a casual. <laughs> yeah, it's just <laughs> she had she had four legs. Maybe uh, she might not have four legs, but I guarantee she had four arms. <laughs> I have nothing to react to that with because you yes, you don't have to. You are on. correct. Uh, so, well, I mean, she's immune. She might not. Uh, she's uh, only legs. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I just found it humorous. It was. <laughs> You've reached the uh, the bone humor portion of the uh, podcast. Hey, the skull was grinning at it. The skull is grinning at it. Ah, <laughs> oh, good old mutt. Is he colored? Does did he col- change? Excuse me. What the fuck did you look, just say? Is there? Is it reflecting off of the book, or does he look red? This definitely reflecting off the book. Okay. Yep. Okay. Like, is he changing? That would be scary. That's what I'm saying. That's what, <laughs> like, I, I, I mean, maybe he's absorbing the bad juju. I don't know. But. He definitely is because nothing has really gone wrong. Why since we would got you him. say that? <laughs> because he's protecting us. He'll take it. Oh, true. Good on you, Mutt. They curse, and one of them says, "Hey, would you mind not swearing?" But what they say is, "What the huff? What the huff? Yeah, or huffing? Like, like I can't huffing believe that." <laughs> I, I was never able to piece together why that became a swear word. Uh, it, it didn't. And, and maybe I could have if I'd studied it or looked it up, but we don't do that here. Uh, but you shouldn't swear because what if the captain can hear you and he reverently touches his brow okay. in like, a, like a salute? So they're kind of superstitious. Yes. Very, it's very much. Uh, I got the vibe of like the, uh, the sign of the cross kind of. Right. Um, I, th- okay. So this is just a guess from me. Yeah. But it, what popped into my head when you said that was mm-hmm. that the original captain of the ship died and he became sort of a figurehead, almost religiously. Mm-hmm. And so he's superstitious that the captain still resides in the ship and punishes those that don't follow his rules. That's just, maybe it's just a cool story that I would write in my head, but yeah. I don't know. That, that's no, what I, I thought. And that makes logical sense. We'll get to that though, because the captain does come up again, obviously, because they wouldn't introduce the captain and not... Right. Expound. There, I mean, there's got to be a living captain. Exactly. There's always so, got to be a captain. I mean, does there? They don't know it's uh, a ship. Uh, they don't know it's a ship? They, they don't know that they're on a ship. They have oh, evolved, shit. They have evolved past the point where people don't know what Earth is. And so this is the world. This is their universe. Wow. The universe is metal. Yeah. And 
has weird gravity effects depending on where you go. Yeah, uh, because I like it. They're they're effectively spinning um, the way they get gravity through centrifugal force. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> so the closer to the center you go, the I think it's the closer to the center you go, the less gravity there is. Right, right, right. I'm trying to picture that in my head because this whole thing was a little weird. Um, again, written in 1941, so we didn't get to the moon yet, but we're getting there. So Hugh calls out Mort. Mort's the one who said, hey, can you stop swearing? The captain might hear you. And Hugh says, hey, you aren't a scientist yet, but even they swear. Like, right. don't, don't worry about it. It's, we're fine. They're not, we're not going to get in trouble. I'm dying to know what the quote-unquote scientists are in this We'll get to that, place. actually, fairly shortly. Uh, they talk about how they've never been this high before. They're climbing levels they've never been to. Um, they're okay. smoking ganja they've never... I'm kidding. Uh, I was um, going to say... Yeah, no, I wrote that line. And I was like, I, I, I know how this sounds, but I don't know any other way to write it. <laughs> uh, and they want to get down to where they feel uh, they feel gravity under their feet again. So where they are, they're starting to float, and they want to just get back to solid ground. Right. You know, get back more comfortable. Um, they're climbing down hatches to different docks, and they drop like dozens of levels at a time because they'll just walk off the ledge and then grab the next one down and huh. like that kind of thing. Because yeah. there's, there's there is gravity; it's just light gravity. Right. Right. So it's very it's very. Uh, I don't know. It's it's a it's a very well written passage describing and getting you getting you as a reader the feel for how the ship works for how right. this works. That's also like I, I could just imagine the the line of where that becomes dangerous would be super blurry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you know at what point if you jump down you won't quite be able to catch yourself? We get to that because okay, <laughs> not in a dangerous way, but as they're going down, one of the I forget who it is, um, and I didn't write it down, but one of the uh, one of the crew says, hey, would you mind if we walked the rest of the way? That last one kind of hurt my ankles. Gotcha. Okay. So as soon as, as soon as there's a little like jarring, then it's like, oh, maybe we should just Ooh, walk from here. Okay. Dangerous yeah, now. Exactly. Like, oh, gravity's real now. The important thing though is they never say gravity. They never say, hmm. oh, the gravity's weird here. They just say, we want to feel the ground under our feet again. Okay. They want to feel the steel under our feet. Okay. That'll come into play later. Uh, so they take stock and Tyler says that they have about 70 decks to go. Alan calls him out and saying, you can't read or write. Only scientists can do that. <laughs> I knew it. I See, knew it. This is interesting. This is idiocracy in space. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> kind of. Uh, they continue climbing down. They reach a level that is moist, warm, and obscured by vegetation. Uh, and a farmer directs them to the main passage, and they're able to find their way back to their village. Okay, those are hydroponics, I imagine. Yes. Okay. Yes, very much so. Though, again, they don't use that word. Right. It's just the farm. Because it's multisyllabic, they wouldn't use that word. <laughs> Hugh goes to... Hugo? Who's he? So their village is three decks high and about 30 decks, 30 decks wide. It's a, it's a pretty big village. It's pretty big. Yeah. Um, it's a giant ship, too. Yeah. That's just one village. It sounds like it. Yeah. Uh, and they dropped double... So if you think the deck is 30 decks wide and they had about 70 decks to go after they'd already dropped some decks... Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a massive ship. But Hugh goes to see his uncle, who he lives with, and... His uncle says, hey, have you been exploring? And they eat, and Hugh tells them the story. Uh, effectively, they went up, and a mutie tried to kill them. That's all that happened. They went into mutie territory, and right. mutie said no. The uncle says, hey, you're better off leaving well enough alone. I did my share of adventuring when I was a kid, and you're, you're better off staying here. But Hugh thinks to himself, why did Jordan create the upper levels if they aren't supposed to be used? Jordan. Okay. Now, Jordan, the one thing I didn't mention because I was saving it for this. Right. Jordan is the name... Of the company that built uh, the ship. Okay, yeah. So Jordan built the ship. Therefore, Jordan is the creator. Right. 
<laughs> I love it. And since since the ship is the universe, Jordan created the universe. Okay. Okay. Yes. Do they have any windows? No. 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 Okay. It's all encased in steel. That's depressing as fuck. Yes, but if you're born not knowing any different, you can't miss what you don't know. It's true. Uh, and obviously, like, there's room enough in everything that you can. I mean, you still probably get some form of cabin fever, I imagine, but you can at least branch out. Right. Yeah. You know, go go other places. Hugh and his uncle go, and they find somebody called the witness. The witness is more of a title, but it is mm-hmm. a an elder in the village. Uh, and the witness goes over the details of a contract that Eddard, Hugh's uncle, we'll never hear that name again. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> Eddard signed, and he helped kind of facilitate this contract. The witness clarifies things, and Eddard leaves. But the witness wants to talk to Hugh. Okay. So Eddard leaves, Hugh stays behind, and Hugh takes out a pack of tobacco that he found that the witness, um, the witness loves. So he, you know, he gives him the tobacco, and the witness is more amenable because he has a he has a bit amiable? of a temperament. Amenable, amiable. Both of them are words. <laughs> I mean, amenable. What does that mean? That is able to. He he has been um, he has been placated. He has been settled. He is now open to listening. Okay, okay, I get it. Yes. So if he's hostile towards you and you do something to help him, you, he is now amenable to listen. Okay, okay. Yes. So Hugh tells the witness everything, and he wants to know, if Jordan created the upper levels, why can't we use them? Tell me, like, tell me everything about Jordan. Mm-hmm. I want to know. I want to know. Can you show me? I'm sorry. Phil Collins didn't have to go that hard, <laughs> but he did. It was it, awesome. It was beautiful. So we find out here that the witness is ancient. He knew Hugh's great-great-grandfather. Uh, and Hugh asks why, why Jordan made all the levels above. The witness says the answer is in the lines from the beginning, quote-unquote. In the okay. lines from the beginning. Uh, the apprentice recites because the witness says, hey, you need to know this crap. Right. It's your turn. So the apprentice starts reciting and he makes like one mistake here or there. And the witness just like slaps him. When he makes a mistake, he's like, start over. And the apprentice is like, from the beginning? He said, no, from where you messed up. Every time he slaps him, he goes, oh, yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I mean, he lives with his, I, I, I'm not saying what's happening here. He lives with the dude. I don't know if it's good or bad. Uh, who's to say? We don't, we don't know. I don't know. We don't have enough of that world. I didn't witness that. So the apprentice recites, in the beginning, there was Jordan thinking his lonely thoughts alone. In the beginning, there was darkness, formless, dead, and man unknown. Out of the darkness came a longing. Out of the longing came a vision. Out of the dream, there came a planning. Out of the plan, there came decision. Jordan's hand was lifted and the ship was born. And he goes on. Who, okay, who the fuck wrote that? I don't know. Because it wasn't the company that made the ship. <laughs> no, it wasn't. This had been passed down. And I don't know. We, we don't find out who actually wrote this. But it is something that is taken okay. as religious fact. Whoever wrote that needs to be horse whipped they probably are already dead <laughs> yeah we could make a religion out of this no don't <laughs> uh so we find out that each person has a task and a station like everyone has to be a cooperative member of society otherwise society will fail mm-hmm. we Makes find sense. exactly it's it's very a lot of things are spun off of this it's very by the books right <laughs> because this is the book <laughs> this is the, yeah <laughs> there are uh crew who work they they do all of the the engineering, the farming, all that kind of stuff, depending on what part of the crew you're in. Right. Part of the crew, part of the ship. Part of the ship, part of the crew. The scientists guide the ship. Okay. And not, not the ship, they guide the people, I should say. 
The okay. scientists guide the people. So the scientists are the ones who can read and write and know things. I'm impressed that there is a a a society that is apparently very religious, mm-hmm. but they also let the scientists do all the decision making. I'm pretty impressed by that. The scientists are, in a way, the... They're, so they're not, by our definition, scientists. No. Okay. <laughs> no, no. So a- another thing that happens is everyone that we meet follows the same religion. Right. The scientists so. are are the ones who know things. They they are the ones who study the ancient texts and expound them to the people who can't. So they're scholars. Effectively, yes. That'd be a better yes. word for that. Okay. Yes, but but scientists had been passed down. Right. So that is what they're called. The the captain governs. Okay. Jordan is perfect, and all beneath him suffer from greed. There was a rebellion. Oh, this is why I wrote this, and I didn't put it together until now. <laughs> okay. There was a rebellion by someone named Huff. Ah, uh, That's yeah. why it's a swear word. Of course. Yeah. Yes. Beca- I, I, I read it, and I wrote it, and I just now put it together. Hey, cool. <laughs> Uh, the bodies of the rebels were fed to the converter. The oh, the it converts biomass into food or whatever, right? Fuel. Fuel. Oh, fuel. Okay. Yes. But they don't know that. They just know that the converter has to be fed. That's convenient. Yes. <laughs> because if you're going to pass anything down, That's it is keep thing. this thing running. Yeah. Keep putting people into this. Exactly. The rebels who weren't fled or who weren't fed caught and fled, eventually evolving into the muties. I love it. How come the... Uh, okay. Um, <laughs> so, so mutation. Yes. It requires... It, it's, okay, there's two reasons for mutation. Okay. One is radiation, mm-hmm. and the other is just g- naturally over generations. Yes. So, if... Uh, it has to be radiation, because if it, it can't be generational, because then the people would also be changing in the same way. So there, I, I don't know. <laughs> I know the answer. Do you want to hear it? Uh, well, if it's a spoiler, don't tell me. If it doesn't matter. It comes up later, but it, th- there's no rhyme or reason. It doesn't affect anything. Okay. My, my money would be on some type of radiation leak or something causing them to change. It is both. So it's that plus the generations of... Cosmic shielding on the ship had been dissolved over time. Okay. And they had been gone long enough. They don't know how many generations. Right. They had been gone long enough that generational mutations also occur. The big ones are probably the cosmic radiation. So. And there's some really big ones, like a woman with four legs. So, okay. So the mutants have to be breeding. So the, uh, so (laughs) this is because biology is like, has rules. Yeah. (laughs) So if they are. These are 1941 rules though. That's true. If they're mutating generationally, Mm -hmm. that means they, there has to be some type of grouping Mm -hmm. that are continuing to breed. Right. So there would be consistency among the mutations. Supposedly. Theoretically, um, we don't, get a look at a lot of the muty population. Right. So we see a few key mutations, but they in themselves aren't consistent. Okay. Um, the, the, majority, the sample size isn't big enough to confirm. Yeah, I'd be very curious. Because like mutation, the vast amount of mutation is what we call deformation, mm-hmm. which means it's not helpful at all. It's right. just, you die. Right. <laughs> like, usually you're born and then you die. <laughs> so like, 
there there would it, the mutation would have to be beneficial at least enough to to live long enough to uh, procreate right um I don't know what I'm talking about back to the book <laughs> <laughs> you made your point and you were you were you were pretty much on the spot I was on the spot did you mean spot on no on the spot on the spot yeah you were on the spot it's it's uh it I don't believe you whatever you're about to say I don't believe it it's a game show that I was just humming the theme song to. No, it's not. There's no game show called On the Spot. <laughs> Hold on a second. On the Spot means without any delay, immediately, at the scene of an action or event. I've never heard it before, so I'm going to assume that I just crossed into an alternate timeline or something. Hang on a second. Oh, well, that's an internet show. That doesn't count. It's a game show. It doesn't count. That's not on TV. It's a game show. I didn't say it was on TV. Game shows are on TV. This is a game show that is on the internet. It's a a competitive uh, program. (laughs) Whatever. Fuck you. Continue. (laughs) (laughs) You'd like that, wouldn't you? So, so Hugh, uh, Hugh, he was wrestling with what it all means. Okay. So, you know, he heard all the lines what people are supposed to do. He's heard them before, but now he's, you know, in his young adult, he's thinking for himself. Right. He goes back home and he goes to bed. He wakes up and he has the scientist calling for him. Okay. Is it uh, Bardock? It is not Bardock. The brilliant scientist. It is not, it is not Christmas tree of might's own. <laughs> uh, the scientist offers him a fig. Okay. Just, hey, here, have a fig, uh, which he had never had before. Okay. Never had a fig. Of all the plants you wanted to take with you on this journey, why would you take figs? Figs are good. No. No. <laughs> and I mean, in the sense of this is a sci-fi book and the author's probably educated based on everything else, figs have a very big historical value. I guess. Right? I mean, Greek mythology is all about figs and I, pomegranates. I'm just and, saying, I wouldn't be sad if they went extinct. I would. I love fig newtons. Those are artificially flavored, though. Yes, they are. <laughs> That's why I said it. I just want to make someone mad. Okay. I just want to make one person mad over that. Uh, so he asks about Hugh. So what have you been up to? What have Hugh been up to? What have Hugh been up to? Hugh. Hugh. So Hugh uh, had been climbing and exploring without respect for the forbidden zones. The scientist knows this. Okay. But he says, eh, who cares? Because you were always going to be curious. We knew that from when you were born because you had uh-huh. a big head. So Hugh has to figure out what it is he wants to do with his life. What about that girl? Idris Baxter. Do you want to marry her? Say that name again. Idris or Edris Baxter. I thought that was a guy's name, Idris. It's I-D-R-I-S. This is E-D-R-I-S. Oh, okay. Idris, I-D-R-I-S, Idris is Idris Elba. Is, That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Maybe they have different others. origins. Could be. I, I have no I idea. Know. Or maybe yeah. it's made up for this book. I don't know. Could also be. But the last name Baxter, that existed. Uh, so this is Idris Baxter. Do you want to marry her? And Hugh says, well, maybe, but her dad wants me to apprentice at his farm in order to marry her. Yeah. And I don't, I, I'm not about that. I don't want to do that. That'd yeah. be boring. Boring. And the scientist says, yeah, no, you're not cut out for farming. Um, we're going to find something better for you. So we find out that the scientist has already taught Hugh how to read and write. Okay. So he already, he already knows that. He is not cut out for a peasant life. He is to become a scientist. This is the scientist telling him this. Okay. This is like a, a cast system. Sorry. Very much so. Everyone has a crew. Everyone has a place. Right. You are, you were special when you were born because you had a big head. 
Does he mean literally a big yes. head? Oh my God. Yes. So <laughs> another thing that comes up a little bit later, uh, and I'm mentioning it now because it comes up very shortly, is that we find out that Hugh was almost killed when he was born because of his big head being seen as a deformity. Okay. And all any deformity, any mutation is to be tossed in the converter. Uh, how, how much bigger? Is this like Jimmy Neutron? No, it doesn't levels? come up. It's just, no? he just had a bigger head when he was a kid. They don't mention it and it doesn't. If they noticed, that's got to be pretty big. It's got to be like. What if he just had a tiny body? (laughs) (laughs) He had little shriveled up legs or something. Like the KFC logo. (laughs) You've never seen this? The the, the Colonel Sanders. Colonel Sanders is a big head with a tiny body. (laughs) I've never heard this. What the fuck? I'm, I'm showing you all kinds of things. It's him with the tie. <laughs> the tie has two little arms. <laughs> that's the that's the logo. Okay, I get it. I get it. <laughs> it's one of my all-time favorite things. <laughs> Big head, tiny body, Colonel Sanders. He was really racist. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was a terrible person. Hugh is to be a scientist. He is bright, and there was a time that bright ones would either be killed or led rebellions. Right. Makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it does. Now, they need to be educated so that that doesn't happen. Okay. So if we take the, if we take the smart people and convince them that we're right, they'll follow us. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The, pro- the problem with that is that smart people generally don't like being... <laughs> followers? <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. like... They want to think for themselves? Right. That's yeah. just... It, it's, it's very hard to force... As, as spar- Anyways, it's true, but in this society, everything is so confined and limited that there's very little room for actual exploration. Yeah, you don't have much of a choice, do you? Exactly. It's like, if exactly. you want to survive, you do what we tell you to do. And if you don't, you can leave, but the muties will kill you. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and that's that's how it's worked for, for who knows, they never do say how long. Right. Um, <clears throat> I'd do fine. Just give me a vibroblade and some stim packs. I'm fine. Yeah, there you go. So the scientist pulls out Hugh's knickknacks. He just kind of has them in a sack and he dumps them on the floor. Okay. Hey, these are all your things. You're sleeping here in the scientist quarters from now on. Okay. You're not, you're not going back home. Like you're still in the village. Right. Like you're, you're, you're now going to be apprenticed under me. Like you're moving out. Yeah. You're, you have been chosen as the avatar. You are now under tutelage. You're sleeping in the scientist quarters. And I mean, you can marry if you like, but you're going to grow bored of Edith Baxter really soon. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So do it or don't, I guess. So Hugh takes to his studies with reckless abandon. I had to look up how to spell reckless because I kept wanting to put a W in it, like W R E C K. What? Oh, okay. Like reckless, <laughs> but it's R E C K. Yeah, yeah. It's just, yeah. I had to spell against the other day. Oh yeah. And I was I stared at it for like two minutes because mm-hmm. I'm like, this looks so fucking weird. That can't be right. <laughs> it, I don't know. Some words are like that. Part of my job, I send emails to the public, and I oh, there's certain words that I will type and like. It's not red underlined. Spell check says it's a word. Mm-hmm. I know that's how you spell it. Right. It just looks wrong. Yeah. And that, that'll happen if you just like say a word over and over and over and over. And then eventually. My favorite it's... one to do that with is bubble. Bubble. <laughs> bubble. 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 It's not happening. Bubble. <laughs> bubble. That is my favorite word. I don't know if I ever told you. Bubble? That. Bubble is my favorite word. That's a good favorite it word. It is so much fun. I'm sure I've told you my favorite word. Do you remember I, it? You probably did, but no, I don't. It's omphaloskepsis. And I, that's, I've, I don't <laughs> know that I've ever heard that word in my life. Omphaloskepsis 
Uh, it was actually a, a Greek thing. I don't think they called it omphalskepsis, but omphalskepsis is the act of contemplating one's navel. And it's one of the steps in a form of meditation. You, you think about certain things, and one of the things you think about is your belly button. <laughs> and I love how the word sounds. I love the meaning. It's great. Bubble. <laughs> <laughs> also, I'm about skepsis. That's an interesting one. I don't think I'm ever going to have to use that. No, I've never had to use it. It's never come up, except yeah. for what's my favorite word. Right. And another one is uh, benzodiazepine. That's a fun word. Benzodiazepine is a fun word. I've been hearing that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That one is fun. Not because I'm an addict, but because I've been watching House MD. <laughs> <laughs> I binge the whole show, and they say that at least a, a couple Just dozen times. Just like I times. know a chunk about heroin because I read a book exactly. on it. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's incriminating. <laughs> so we find out the scientist's name is Nelson. Um, okay. Is he a half or a full? I know what you're talking about, but my mind just blanked <laughs> on an answer. Uh, so the scientists leave him alone at first, and he kind of wanders his way through, and he reads all the all the books and everything. And he kind of like studies at his own pace and gets interested in the things that he gravitates towards. Right. Eventually, he realizes that he needs help. You know, he's like, "I'm reading these things, and I just don't understand okay. because it doesn't make sense to me why okay. this is this and that kind of thing." So he realizes he needs help, and he goes to the scientist and starts talking to him about what he's reading. Okay. And the scientist says what you have been reading is romanticized science. Mm -hmm. So this is not fact. When they're talking about gravity, that's an allegory. Oh, God. <laughs> it's the same with the rules of electricity. The bodies mentioned in the law of gravity are human bodies, and the mass is referred to uh, is their capacity for love. I don't understand. So the older a human body is, the more... Gravity mass it has? it has. I mean, not necessarily. No, it's not true. <laughs> but the more mass it has, the more capacity for love it has. That's why a parent can love a child more than the child loves that parent. Okay, so they're, they're doing their best to interpret these terms in ways they understand. Exactly. Okay. Even though they are literal terms, right. they, are, they, are, they are the ones who are actually romanticizing them because they don't have the capacity. They don't know any better, and they right. have been taught that they were romanticized before. Hugh asks if the muties are people, right. quote unquote. Nelson says that muti is short for mutineer. <laughs> so not only are they mutants, they, they're also like rebels. Term. Kind of, that's pretty handy. Yeah, exactly. So they were once part of the same race, uh, but then after the rebellion, they split off and they evolved differently. Okay, so kind of like the, the Vulcans and the... Uh, the Romulans? The Romulans. Yeah, uh, very, very similar. Okay. Yeah. Um, they also have mutant blood now. So they've evolved differently. Now they have mutant blood. Uh, Hugh asks why mutations exist. And Nelson explains that it's the seed of sin. Yeah. I'm, I'm saying. Yeah. We're, it's, it was going to happen. A mutation in the body is still within humans. And when it appears, when it manifests, it must be purified by throwing the body in the converter. Mm -hmm. Any mutation is killed. We kind of already talked about that. So Hugh mentions that one in, many of the writings mention a trip quote-unquote, but the ship can't move. So the ship is their name for, it's what, what they would call where they live. It is the ship. Like home okay. is the ship. Okay, I get it. So, but the ship can't move because right. it's stationary to them. Um, <clears throat> so what is this trip that we're on? And Nelson explains that the trip is the whole universe. Uh, no, I'm sorry. The ship is the whole universe. The universe doesn't move. Nelson agrees and he says that the trip is just the universe moving towards Jordan's plan for all life. 
Okay. So yeah. the trip is your journey through life. It's all metaphorical. Everything is allegory and metaphor. They yeah. were romantics back in the day. Yeah, I get it. They talk about how older men used to invent different fantasies that Jordan might have created, like a space filled with pinpricks of light so far apart you could never reach them. That's just one of the things that they imagined. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> this is tragic. It's I hate fascinating. It. I hate it. <laughs> I don't like a story about people just getting stupider. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is, this is my truth, though. They talk about why the muties are bad, but Nelson says that Jordan's plan is above all, and if more muties exist, they take more food. Jordan's plan for how many citizens there are is thrown off. So the more muties there are, the less they're contributing, and right. the more food they're eating, so the actual crew won't survive. But surely Jordan still has a plan for the muties, we just don't know what it is. I knew a girl named Jordan. She was a bitch. Did she have a plan for some muties? She had a plan, all right. She had an evil, twisted plan. There you go. I'm glad I wasn't a part of it. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck you, Jordan. Fuck you, Jordan. (laughs) There we go again. (laughs) We did this with Susan. We're just shitting on people with certain names. We'll hit everyone, and eventually everyone will hate us. Yeah, there we go. That's going to be a series of like six beeps. We can just... (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's not a specific name. Yeah, but you know a Jordan. That's the thing. It's, I it's used a reference to, to a real person. I used to like over 10 years ago. They don't remember me. I, they guarantee don't care about me or remember me. You don't know that. I do know that because I barely interacted <laughs> with them. So unless there's some obsessive sociopath that just hasn't bothered to reach out in a while. You remember. Because they were a colossal bitch. Ooh. <clears throat> I'm getting spittle everywhere because of my passion. Just lick your microphone, why don't you? <laughs> I would never do that. Never. <laughs> So Hugh goes to work at the converter um, as an engineer. He goes to kind of like learn the jobs. Okay. And uh, he's, his job is essentially to make sure no reclaimed metal is thrown into his hopper. Um, easy, not hard work. It's just something to learn the ropes. Right, yeah. Uh, so Bill Ertz is the assistant chief engineer. And Bill talks about what he learned. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Hugh talks about what he learned to Bill. And Bill says, yeah, that's all nonsense. We don't need any romanticism. We only need realism. Like, the converter's all that's real. I'm with him. Yeah. Like, the rest (laughs) of this is just, I mean, who cares? It doesn't matter. I'm half with him. (laughs) It's it's a very just, it's a very... That's what an engineer would say. Yeah. The here and now is all that matters. Anything else can screw off because it it, it doesn't affect me. Right. It's not practical. Exactly. Practical. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah. I also wrote, he, he says, and the muties can suck it, but I don't think that's his exact wording, but I just, you okay. know, yeah. Um, no one has ever seen Jordan, so there's no proof that Jordan exists. Right. Uh, men are born, they live, they die, and they go to the converter. That's it. That's, that's the plan. Uh, the engineers don't pay any heed to anyone else. Hugh works with them, and we find out that the captain had not come out of his room in a long time because he grew so fat. So there is an actual captain. <laughs> yeah. Um... <clears throat> I like that. Which reminds me a lot of Pirates of the Caribbean 4, where I for the mean... first third of it, they're on Blackbeard's ship. Okay. And you don't see Blackbeard. You you haven't seen Blackbeard. Right. So they're convinced he's not actually there, and it's somebody posing. And then he just comes Using out. his name. And then he just comes out, and he's like, hey, what's up, mutineers? I'm going to kill okay. you all now. The captain is too fat, so he hasn't, left his, he hasn't left his room. So the engineers go to work on the upper levels, and they try to clear them. Uh, and Hugh gets hit by a mutie slingshot. And this is where I put together that they use slingshots and right. they don't okay. just chuck iron. He is left for dead because he's knocked out bleeding. This is right next to the uh, converter? No, this, they've, they've gone to clear up 
the upper levels. Okay, okay. Yeah. So it's towards the outskirts, kind of. Exactly. Gotcha. Exactly. They're trying to clear okay. out and make more habitable space. Right. So we cut to a conjoined twin named Joe Jim. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. One body, two heads. Okay, okay. Two independent heads. Okay. So they talk to each other. Right. And it's confusing at first, which is why I'm explaining it in detail now. Okay, I got it. Yes. Joe Jim hears a knock on his door, and someone named Bobo brings in a body and wants to eat it. <laughs> so okay. Bobo is uh, kind of a dwarf in the sense of short, but like fantasy dwarf in that he's like thick and right. stocky. Right, right, okay. Um, Same mass, but just like shorter. Exactly, exactly. Not not like uh, like a, a little person or anything like right, that. Not like an actual yeah, okay, fantasy style dwarf. And Bobo has a very small vocabulary, and he's not he's not all upstairs. His name is Bobo. It's a great name, though. It is, but I Bobo. expect someone named Bobo to be really stupid. <laughs> <laughs> so Bobo wants to eat the body. Joe Jim says, "Hold on, though. Let's, let's find out what's going on. See what they were up to." Okay. So they start to try and wake who we can only assume is Hugh. Like, it has to be Hugh. Right. It has to be. He's the only one that we know is survived. Exactly. Um, they try to wake him and Bobo keeps asking if he can eat him. Joe Jim says no and doesn't say anything else. Oh, no. What? <laughs> no, I skipped a line. Okay. Jojo says no and hands Bobo some meat that he just had. He has like a locker. He goes to the locker, pulls out some meat, hands it to, jo- to uh, okay. Bobo. And, uh, and that's definitely person meat. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. Hoyland wakes up and cowers at this dwarf and this two-headed man. I would too. Same. Joe Jim asks who he is, and he answers, my, uh, my name is Hoyland, or Hugh Hoyland, but he doesn't say anything else. Joe Jim locks him in a closet. Okay. Time passes with no breaks, no food, no water. We don't know how long it is. Time for him to fall asleep several times. Joe okay. Jim pulls him out, and he is now famished and just thirsty, and it's... it's I my guesstimate would be maybe two three days. That sucks. Yeah, I after like twelve hours of not having something to drink. Yeah, I that oh I yeah. can't imagine. No, it's horrible. Jojim gives him water and then says, "Hey, tell me about yourself now." And now he was like, "Oh, okay. Here's everything." Uh, oh, so he did that on purpose. Exactly. Make him desperate so exactly. he get information. Okay, that's exactly right. Uh, so Hugh accepts the fact that he's now a slave, right? Because slavery is just something that happens. You right. you just you deal you deal with that's life. At that point, like if he stuck me in a closet for several days and then pulled me out, immediately I would be thinking like I'm gonna have to suck a lot of dick. This <laughs> this is gonna be awful, and I just have to mentally prepare myself for this. All right, I guess let's get this over with. Yeah, it was just a fact of nature. Uh, Joe Jim says that escape is impossible because Bobo is sleeping right outside the door, and he gave Bobo permission to eat him. If he ever if he ever out. left without Joe Jim. Okay, okay. Yeah. So that's that's it. And and Hugh just accepts that. Right. Says, oh, okay. Cool. So then Joe Jim does the next logical thing. He gives Hugh a knife and says, Hey, how good are you at throwing this? <laughs> I would imagine he'd be pretty shit at it. Well, Hugh says, No, I'm great, and he hits a bullseye. Oh, okay. On a target that they have. He's so great. here we find out that the only weapon that they have are throwing knives. Right. Uh, and in low gravity, apparently it's more accurate and easier to throw and more I would, effective. I mean, if you're used to low gravity, I'm sure. But yeah. I'm, I'm thinking if I, because I used to be okay at throwing knives. Yeah. If I were to do it now in really low gravity, I would suck ass at it probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but that is the both the Muties and the crew's weapon of choice. 
Okay. What happened to the slingshots? Oh, they have they have slingshots, but knives are the go-to. Okay, so once you're out of knives, you pull out a slingshot. I, I apparently I don't know. What if you slingshot a knife? That seems like the ultimate weapon. <laughs> I would be doing that. Just yeeting knives everywhere. Yes. <laughs> do you ever do you know what an atlatl is? Sounds familiar, but I don't know. An atlatl is uh, a stick that you they use to help throw spears, where you would carve a notch at the end of a stick and flit, fit your spear or your javelin into it. And then use the stick to throw it, and it's basically extending Whoa, your arm and giving you more yeah. force. So it's going. That sounds cool. Yeah, they're very interesting. They could, I want to say, they could triple the range of a spear throw. Damn. Hugh accepts his slavery because the book, the book, says that the idea for a servant to attack his master is abhorrent, and and that had been drilled into him. So for him to even think about turning on Joe Jim, just it just never crosses his mind. Okay, it's just a fact. Like, oh, I belong to Joe Jim now. That's fucked up. His his mind has been so trained that that form of slavery is so accepted that to even think otherwise is impossible. So they have slavery at his village? They don't go into it, but okay. I I got the sense that like the farmers and things like that are the servants of kind of like, maybe not the scientists, but just some kind of serfdom. Yeah. Of the captain. Yeah. Maybe. And they all serve the captain and to turn the captain, you you don't do it. Okay. I'm assuming since the captain is really fat, yeah. that it is not a great situation for everybody. <laughs> Probably not. But it it also kind of makes sense to me because of the history of what happened with the rebellions and how they were crushed and everything like that. And now you have to, the, the first thing you do is quash any sense of free will now, right? Because right. people mm-hmm. are rebelling. Well, what do we do to stop that? We stop them from thinking they can rebel. Right. Yeah. And it's all, now it's just all natural order. That's just the way things are. Joe Jim hates scientists. Wonderful. Yes. He thinks that they are ignorant and they know absolutely nothing. Oh, okay. So it's it's an ideological difference, not I because I, when you said that, I was thinking like, oh, if I found a scientist, I would kill him, and that's what he does. So okay, so he feels very strongly about this ideological difference. Yes. Okay. Yes. Jojim says, "Hey, what if all that allegory that they taught you? What if that's just fact?" Jojim says that, or Hugh says that. Jojim says that. Jo- okay. To Hugh, what if all of that allegory is just fact? What if gravity's talking about bodies and bodies exert a gravitational force? What if, what if that's just what it is? Hmm. You know, I think he's onto something. I'm saying. What if the words actually mean what they literally mean? Fuck off, Joe What if Jim. the trip is a trip? Joe Jim, you've been eating people. You don't know shit. <laughs> so Hugh tries, but he, he can't wrap his brain around that. Right? He'd been, again, he'd been so indoctrinated that <laughs> right, to think yeah. anything else is so different. But he tries. And that's the thing. That's mm-hmm. the interesting part. So Joe Jim tries to get Hugh to see and he says I'll make you believe if I have to break your neck okay he doesn't follow through I I mean I hope not yeah Uh, we find out that Joe Jim's big flaw is that he takes everything literally so they they start talking about history and Joe's favorite human being ever was Alan Quartermain okay Alan Quartermain is an old character obviously because it's written in 1941 but he is best known nowadays as who Sean Connery played in League of Extraordinary Gentlemen Okay. It's a fictional character. He's a sniper? Yes. Fictional sniper? He's a fictional sharpshooter. Okay. Jim's favorite head, or Jim, I'm sorry. Jim. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, I think I know what his favorite head is. Yeah, it's Joe. Uh, Jim's favorite human being is John Henry. Of the, the rifle maker? No, the, uh, the large railroad track layer who beat the steam engine in, it's a tall tale. You never? No. You don't know the I'm story sorry. of John Henry? No. He was I, born with a hammer in his hand? Um, I vaguely remember something like that, but no, not really. 
<sighs> I mean, if it has something to do with building railroads, there's probably a lot of persecuted Chinese people. So African Americans. Oh, just as good. Who were at that time forced to be Americans, but they were just Africans. Right. And so he was one of them, but he was really good at He was born with spikes. a hammer in his hand and they said effect I, I don't remember the whole story, but effectively they said, uh, either you or your people will go free if you can lay more track than this entire team that we're gonna pay. Okay. And I, he lays like three times as I much. I vaguely remember that because yeah, he was uh, he could drive a, a railroad spike with one strike or something like exactly. that. Exactly. And they're like, exactly. But it was all I mean it's a folktale. But right, uh, yeah. But yeah, that was a that was a thing. Um in some lore, I think he joins up with Paul Bunyan. Yeah. Uh, and Paul Bunyan had to maybe this is just in the animated shit I saw when I was a kid, but <sighs> I he, love the animated Paul Bunyan. He had a, a contest with a guy who basically had a chainsaw. Yes, and he had his axe. Yeah. Yeah. And and the dude with the chainsaw is fucking cheating because even with the chainsaw, he's going like between trees. Yeah. And Paul Bunny is just swinging and he takes like five trees with a swing. Yeah. But that other dude was on fucking speed. I don't know what the hell was going on. And he had the best chainsaw blade in the world. Yeah. But he never dulled. Nope. Didn't get caught on anything. Didn't run out of gas. Yeah. It was fucking cheap. And he. That's uh, somebody who's never used a chainsaw. And he won by uh, one inch. Yes. Because they stacked all the wood, and he was like, what inch? The guy cried. Yes. Anyways. <laughs> that was quite the tangent here. Um, so fiction is real to them. Right. Uh, another theme that we'll find later is they love Alexander Dumas and the Three Musketeers. Mm. Okay. So they start traveling through the ship, and they have some trouble opening a door that has like an iPhone lock. And I say that because I didn't know how else to describe it. It's uh, like a series of dots that you draw a pattern through. Right. And then okay. you put your hand on it. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. it opens. They enter what Joe Jim calls the main control room, where the very spirit of Jordan was said to reside. Okay. So the pilot's chair, maybe? There is a sphere in the center of the ship, and the whole ship appears to be revolving around that sphere. Oh, okay. Hugh gets, I don't know what you call this, space sick, vertigo, like uh, motion sick? Uh, sure. Because <laughs> he's looking at the sphere, and the sphere isn't moving position, but he can feel oh, himself moving around it. Yeah. Uh, I think that would just be motion sickness, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and Joe Jim says that he wants to educate Hugh. Hugh takes a seat and he notices a board when he sits down, a board flashes that says second astrogator posted. And he sees another flash on his chair that says second astrogator. So he's sitting okay. in the second astrogator's chair. Right. It took me forever to figure out what an astrogator is. Yeah, I've never heard that word. It is an astronomical. No. Astro astronomical? Sure. Yes. Astronomical yeah. navigator. Oh, that makes sense. An astrogator. Yes. I almost said astrological. That's no. not that's not right. <laughs> no. No. Astrogator, got it. Yes. We see a sign that says acceleration zero, main drive not responding. Joe Jim has Hugh dim the lights, and he says, I'm going to show you the stars. So the cabin lights up with a reproduction of stars in space. It's being projected almost like a planetarium. Like holographically. Yeah, sort of. exactly. Uh, and this is a concept that Hugh had never known. It is described as beauty like the first experience of sex. <laughs> Hugh knows that with the lights dim, he will always miss the stars and life will never be the same. Similar to the elves that we see uh, in Lord of the Rings who are obsessed with the sea. Right. Because mm -hmm. they they're always called back. That's the feeling that he gets. So it's kind of the, the point in the story where the hero feels the call to adventure. Exactly. It's a flame that can't be put out. It's just like he experiences something that changes him forever. Exactly. And he'll always have a goal to go towards. That is exactly what it is. We learn there's a place called the Captain's Veranda where you can see the stars for real. Uh, but Joe Jim kind of dodges at this point, he's like, yes, that exists, but later. Mm -hmm. uh, and he takes Hugh back to, not Hugh's house, but to Jojim's house. 
Uh, Hugh starts reading again. This time he's learning what actually happened. We learn that the ship was designed not to need mechanical parts. Everything is powered by and propelled by centripetal force and electrical currents. And even if all life in the ship died, the ship would carry on because it was designed to basically be yote. And then once it's yote, it keeps going. Right. That's space. Exactly. There's no air friction. So exactly. It won't stop. Uh, the, they power things by touching lights on control boards. Um, this is written in 1941. So this is all very like, that's like how they power consistent. things in like Star Trek stuff like that. It's yeah. very interesting. Uh, Hugh touches one of the lights that says main engine and he gets a message that says main engine, not manned. He asks Jojim and Jojim says, we tried the engine, but all it says is control room, not manned. And we didn't have the opportunity to try both because no one else really cares. Got two people now. I'm saying. Hugh brings up the idea of, hey, maybe what if we, what if we train people to run the ship again? Right. What if we, what if we bring people here? Maybe we could go and get scientists to help and Jojim can teach them. And Jojim says, bruh, I'm a mutie. Right. Like, it'll never work. Hugh convinces him to let him try. He says, let me, let me try and bring someone back. And Jojim sends him off. Right. Couldn't they get other mutants? Jojim is the leader of a gang. He's the smartest one of this gang. And they don't really talk about any of the others. Okay. So theoretically, yes, but the muties for the most part aren't interested. Okay. They just want to eat uh, a big, a big greeting and a farewell is good eating for both the muties and the crew. I'm going to say that from now on. I good like eating. that. <laughs> I almost said it when I did the introduction, but it would be too hard to explain. <laughs> and then I feel like it wasn't a good enough callback to bring it up. So Joe Jim sends him off. This is, uh, I, th- I didn't write it down. I think this is where it shifts into common sense. Okay. So this, that was universe. Now it's common sense. Right. So universe is them finding out that the, it's a ship. Common sense is the rest. Bill Ertz, good old assistant chief engineer, is now the chief engineer. Hugh finds out that the old chief made the trip. He died. Right. Uh, a long time ago. And Bill says that they thought Hugh was left for dead. He looks different now. What's with all that gray hair? My, my supposition of this is that the outside of the ship is spinning faster than the inside of the ship. Yeah. And in 1941, that means that time is moving faster. That doesn't no, <laughs> doesn't work that way. <laughs> and I think because a, an amount of time has passed right. more than I was led, more than I believe um, actually occurred because Hugh doesn't seem to realize how much time has passed. Right. That doesn't work that way, though. <laughs> I think uh, Captain Hadfield, is that his name? Captain Hadfield? I don't know. Is an astronaut. Who spent uh, close to a year in space? Oh yes, he does the YouTube videos. Yeah, he's he on does a lot some, of YouTube videos. And, and when he came back, like he, debunking space myths, right? Because someone asked him about the whole time thing. Yeah, and he said yes. Actually, gravity affects time. And if you've seen Interstellar, you understand this: that where there is more gravity, uh, you're experiencing uh, time at a different rate than everyone else. Mm-hmm. I think it's more gravity, less time, something like that. Couldn't I? But uh, he was younger by like one millisecond after a year, mm. something like that, mm-hmm. which, uh, uh, so I guess it's the other way. It's more gravity, more time. I don't know. But yeah, gravity does affect time, but centrifugal force is not gravity. Right. So being on the edge of the ship would not make you age differently. Right. And even like literally it would have to be something like Interstellar with a fucking black hole to actually notice a time difference. So Hugh tells Bill all about his plans and Bill says, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. You can stay in my lounge. Like I, like my, my office back here, I have kind of a place where I crash. You can stay there. I will get some officers and we'll convince them. Okay. So Hugh goes in, he crashes cause he's exhausted. 
Uh, he wakes up. The door's locked. Oh, no. <laughs> and his weapons are gone. Is he, has he eaten at all? They don't say, but he, like, in the time that he was with Joe Jim, I guess he had eaten. But they don't specifically mention he what or how. People. I mean, I don't know. Uh, Who's to say? Maybe he found some protein bars or something. Could be. Some peanut butter. that <laughs> Found some uh, soylent. Found some yeah. soylent green. So we need time to, like, think and talk about this. He wakes up, the door's barred, and his knife is missing. Two men come in, and they drag Hugh out to stand trial before the captain. And mm. Bill says, oh, by the way, you live with the muties, and now you're just spouting heresy. Right. Makes it was, sense. It was about to happen. He just told the first person he found. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. But he no longer has scientist status, because normally if you're a scientist, you are tried by the council. Right. But he's no longer a scientist because he's a heretic. Right. So he has to be tried by the captain. So they drag him before the captain, uh, and he is said to have spouted heresy against the captain and against Jordan. But Hugh contends that all he did was affirm the same beliefs, because he's, he's saying the same things. Gravity means what it means. The right. trip means the trip. But I believe it more now than I did before, because I've seen the evidence. Right. Bill says, yeah, that may be so, but either you're, and I'm going to give you the options here, right? Either you're a mutie sympathist, which is unforgivable. Okay. Because he wants, I, I didn't mention this at all. I forgot. I skipped a big part of this. Part oh, of the shit. plan was uh, Hugh asked Jojen for safe passage for some of the officers to go to the room and see the control room. Right. Mm-hmm. And Jojen agreed. He said, they won't, they won't, they won't agree. But yes, I'll, if you bring them, I will let them go. Right. Uh, and he told Bill that. So now Bill thinks, oh, he wants to bring us to the muties. Right. Like he's, he's trying to lead ambush. us to. Yeah, exactly. It's obvious. Which logically on Bill's part makes sense. Right. I'm behind Bill. So either you're a muti sympathist or since birth, you were destined for the converter due to having a big head. You, you must have just cracked under the strain of what the muties put you through and the torture that they performed yeah. on you. Wink, wink. You cracked. <laughs> wink. I love the big head bits. They, they don't, they don't go into it, I, it but it, it's obviously noticeable. Apparently. So how much? Like 10%? They don't say. I really want to know. Yeah. Like, I like Jimmy Neutron. Yeah, like that, that's oh, what I'm picturing. And I was going to say this too when I talked about Bobo. In my mind, he he's just uh, Dodoria from Dragon Ball. Yeah, just large and pink, except <laughs> that makes like sense. a dwarf. Uh, during the trial, the captain's like, "Oh, yeah, no, you're 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 going to the converter." Okay. The captain didn't want anything to do with anything. He's like, "No, I'm here," and he was out of his room. Like they got him to the room. No, you're 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 going to be fried. Okay. That's it. So go to your room. No visitors except except Nelson. And uh, good luck to you. On Good your, luck. <laughs> on your trip. Oh, okay. Nelson knocks on Hugh's door. He is now a really old man, and he's sad at Hugh's stance. Hugh asks, uh, asks Nelson if he can see Alan Mahoney. Alan being one of the friends from back in the time. Um, and the reason he wants to talk to Alan is because the lead prosecutor against him at his trial, who had like six words to say, was Mort Tyler. Mm, okay. So he wants to talk to Alan, find out what's going on with Mort, because he thought he was his friend. Right. Alan comes in. Uh, because Nelson basically says, Hey, you're not allowed visitors, but I will cut you some slack. Mm-hmm. So they get Alan in and Alan says, Oh yeah. Mort was always jealous of you when we were like kids. Uh, he's now married Edris Baxter. Oh shit, son. Uh, Hugh doesn't really care about that. Cause he makes sense. Forgot about Edris, which the, yeah. Nelson said he was going to. All right. But Alan says he doesn't believe he was a heretic. Mm-hmm. So I know, I know what they're saying isn't true. Hugh recruits Alan. He says, hey, go this way, this way, this way. You're going to find a mutie named Bobo. Right. 
get Bobo. <laughs> okay. Bobo can break me out. Oh, yeah. Because he's a thick boy. He's huge, but small. <laughs> so Alan makes the climb and Bobo kidnaps him and takes him to Jojim. Okay. Which is what it's Bobo. It's what Bobo does. Right. That's his job. Yeah. Jojim says, what the fuck? Why would we help your friend? Oh, shit. Why would we help him? All we're going to do is go down there, try and rescue him and die. For oh, something that true. I told okay. him. Okay, I thought he was talking about motivation wise. Like, why would I want to do that? Well, yeah, no, it's I mean, logistically. Yeah, it it's logistically. And it's, he says, I mean, this is, this was always going to happen. I told him this. I told him this when he left. Yeah. Okay. We would just die. And Jim looks at Joe and he says, Joe could be kind of fun. Okay. And that's what Joe says. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you would get bored just like, cause mutants just. Eat. They live to eat and they eat to live. Yeah, but he's smarter. So he's obviously like fucking bored. Yeah. <laughs> Makes sense. Exactly. So they go to rescue Hugh. In their escape, Alan challenges Mort to a duel. Okay. Uh, there's one line that alludes to it earlier, which is like, you can't duel outside or outside of the village. It's prohibited or something like that. You can't duel outside the like village? Like it has to be observed. Uh, okay. Something. I don't, it's, it's, I don't think it'd be it's, the opposite. It's like, it's like one line. Yeah. It's, it, might, it might be. Uh, honestly, it might be the opposite. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't care. Yeah. But uh, Alan wins. He kills Mort with like one throw to the face. Nice. Yeah. They're dueling with throwing knives? Yeah. That's fucking metal. It is. I love it. Bill cuts them off in their escape attempt, but he gets hit in the, uh, I'm sorry, he gets hit in the stomach with a knife. So he's got a knife in his stomach. Ugh. And Hugh says, we need him. So Bobo picks him up and they carry him with them. They take Bill and he gets better. Uh, over a period of time and they go over the plan to get Bill to believe them. Right. Um, Cause they're, they're kind of like talking. He's kind of, he's unconscious right now, but uh, they wake Bill up and they show him the stars. Bill takes convincing, but he comes around. Okay. He actually comes around. He says that now the crew would be ready for the muties and we already had a plan for war against the muties. Okay. Any normal muties, non-physical defects would be allowed to live as slaves. Non, wait, what was that again? Any non-physical defects would be allowed to live as slaves. Wouldn't that be the only defects? Mentally challenged people. And, That's not a... <laughs> and anyone who is different. Just Okay, just... They, that, that's their definition. There, is like there, was, there was one part where they talked about people being exiled. Right. And they're called muties. Because it's like, the, it's just the name for the anyone else. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't think people who are mentally handicapped... No. That's not a mutation. No. <laughs> um... But any like Joe Jim would be straight to the converter. They plan to capture uh, the, the, I'm going to call them our crew or the gang. I'm going to call them the gang. Okay. Uh, the gang plan to capture the officers. If they can convince the officers, they can convince the crew. Okay. So if you get the people in charge, you can get the people underneath them to follow. Uh, they all cut their shoulders in the same spot and mash them together. <laughs> they are now okay. blood brothers. I love the old fashioned practices that could like fucking kill you. Yes. <laughs> like- Yes. I love that shit. Uh-huh. <laughs> There's, did you ever see The Outlaw Josie Wales? No. There's a scene where they do the stereotypical thing, but it's, it's Clint Eastwood as Josie Wales and an Indian chief who think they're going to fight to the death, but they end up making peace. And they do so by cutting their, cutting their palm right. like across. And then they clasp hands. I'm like, I, that would suck. Yeah. The, the people in movies always cut their palm. Yeah. But anyone who's cut their palm knows that's the worst place to get cut yeah but i guess i guess the point is you can't effectively use a weapon okay that way sure and that was their point was they were making peace 
So they're saying, I will not raise a weapon against you because I'm cutting my palm. Is that how it originated? That's what they say in the Josie Wales. Because that's like, that's also in like kids stories. Like, uh, you're right. Yeah. They do that. Yeah. It's like, but that's uh, why I like these guys who cut their shoulders. Yeah. Yeah. And mash them together. Yeah. Which I is just mind like, having a cut eh, shoulder. Yeah. Eh. Uh, what, what's the best? Pl- I would say forearm is a pretty good place to cut. And then forearm like, would be a good one. Yeah, or just be. like back of the hand, or ooh, I would cut the back of the hand. But cross the knuckle. Just I don't know. Bump. Maybe uh, butt cheeks. Cut a butt cheek back up into someone. Could sit down though. That would be uh, just suck. throw it back. Ooh, that was a tangent. So they're blood brothers now. They get the idea from the three musketeers. Right. What if we made swords? Oh, nice. What if I we think... made long knives? Yeah. <laughs> Is what they call them. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense. Yes. Yeah. Joe Jim leads them out and tells the rest of the muties that you're going to listen to these heavy deckers, which is a fantastic name. I like it. What are the heavy deckers? They are the, oh, just the, the crew. Because the, the higher the, quote unquote gravity. Exactly. Like, I like that. The decks are heavy. Uh, and when one of the muties protests, Joe shoots him with a slingshot in the eye, kills uh-huh. him and says, dig in and everyone else starts eating him. Oh my God. <laughs> there are no further objections. <laughs> I like it. It's effective. Uh, we cut to the perspective of the captain's chief executive, Narby. Narby? Narby. Narby, okay. So Narby's going through Bill's desk. Okay. Because Bill had been kidnapped. Right. And he's like, oh, I need to appoint a new chief engineer. Right. So let's see what's going on. But also, he's, he's secretly jealous of Bill. Okay. So he wants to see what Dirty has. Okay. So he's going through Bill's desk and he's thinking to himself, you know, now it's time to kill the old captain. Because I've been running the show anyway. Yeah. And Bill would have been a strong candidate to be captain next. But Bill's gone. So there's no better time. Right. Let's do it. So he's thinking that to himself. Uh, And then Bill appears. (laughs) Is he like saying all this out loud? No, no. It's an inner monologue. It'd be fantastic though. Bill appears and and says, uh, bruh, what are you doing? Right. That's my desk. What are the chances? (laughs) <laughs> right? I'm saying. So Narby backs down. And he says, well, now, you know, we, we thought you were dead. We saw you stabbed and you were dragged off. We, right. thought, we thought you were dead. Bill says, all right, cool. Whatever. He doesn't have any reason to suspect Narby. He knows he's a bit of a dick, but people are people. Bill says, you know, we could have trusted Hugh about safe passage with the muties. We could have used this as an opportunity to scout the levels that we've never been to so that we know the layout like they do and get every advantage we can when we go to war. Right. Narby says, that's a fantastic idea. So Bill rendezvous with Alex Mahoney and they begin their plan. They find Bobo and they go to find Hugh. Bobo can't find Hugh. So he goes to Joe Jim and Joe Jim is discussing with a knife maker. And I'm convinced that this only exists because the writer wanted to introduce the knife maker Uh as a character. She's furious at being asked to make long knives because how could you possibly throw long knives? They're not balanced. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But Joe Jim says, hey, trust me. I will give you a tithe from each kill Uh and you can have all the good eating you want while you're making them. Oh, and good deal. The knife maker says, okay. And on top of our usual arrangement, that's awesome. And Joe Jim's like, yeah, we're go- we're golden. So Joe Jim goes to find Hugh uh, because Bobo said we couldn't find him. Joe Jim goes to find Hugh. He finds him in the control room, which they call the room of no weight, which they didn't really, cause it's like they're the closest to the center of the ship. So things are getting, oh, weight is in, yes, okay, yes. I gotcha. weight is in gravity affecting mass right. and weight makes sense. kind of thing. Hugh realizes that a star on one of the charts is growing bigger. Oh shit. That's no good. He puts together that that means that the ship is moving and they're moving towards that star. Okay. Because it's getting bigger. Right. Joe Jim says, yeah, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> of course. 
I'm just picturing fucking Obi-Wan coming in. Yeah, exactly. And Yoda's like training all the young things. He's like, there's a gravity around this spot. There's no star. <laughs> <laughs> They're just off in the corner like, okay, right. what's going on? Okay. Jojim says, yeah, the ship's moving towards that star. Mm-hmm. And he was like, uh, you knew that? That's That's it. That's the end of the trip. Mm-hmm. We have no way of knowing if that's the right star, but that's the one that we're moving closer to. Probably is. Well, the trip is only supposed to be two generations. Oh, maybe not then. Yeah, so we don't know. Um, we find that out later, but they. How do you wait? Okay, how do you fuck up that bad if it's like? <laughs> I mean, I feel if like you two... miss by if you miss by a percentage of a degree out millions of miles. But two generations is not enough to forget everything. Well, exactly, and that's what I'm saying. So they they. I think they missed Proxima Centauri and are going out further. But how did they miss? Are they just asleep at the wheel? How did that happen? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. And it's not explained, but it's like I, it, something went wrong. Okay. Something happened. Maybe the captain decided. Could have been the mutiny. Who knows? It could have been the mutiny. Who knows? And, yeah. and I'll explain why I think that later. We don't know if it's the correct star, but that's the star we're going to. We're going to find a place there. So they meet Bill and they talk about how to get Narby on board. They need to either kidnap Narby and show him everything or convince him to come up, prove to him that it's true and not heresy. Right. He may also be able to get people on their side because he has a lot of influence. Obviously, he's a good candidate to be captain. Yeah. Um, Bill gives Alan a message to give to Narby that should at least get him on the way. And Alan goes off. Alan meets with Narby and he says, Bill wants you to meet partway up with Hugh. Okay. Um, they, wanna, they want to, they have a peaceful spot set up. That will come together and we're going to work out what's going to happen next. Narby says, no. Why would I go? <laughs> I mean, a couple of people have already gone into the mutant place and come back. Yeah. So. But why, why would I put myself in danger? I don't know, man. And Alan hurt. says, loud enough so that Narby's servants can hear him. What are you, a bitch? Ooh. Fucking coward. He says, oh, well, I'm sorry. If you're too afraid, then you can send someone else. Right. <laughs> Narby can't back down. Yeah. He, he's been challenged. He has to He has to man up. They go together and Narby sees Bobo. Okay. He bolts. Okay. He immediately is like, uh, nope, and runs away. Bobo runs after and Jojim just yells, hey, catch him, but don't hurt him. Yeah. They, so Bobo brings Narby back. Right. Yeah, because Bobo's. Amazing. How is Bobo so strong if he lives in a place with less gravity? Couldn't tell you. Uh, okay. You, I mean, you could chalk that up to mutation, changing the skeleton's whatever chemistry. Yeah. Sure. Or, <laughs> I mean, he's, he's clearly mentally different. Maybe there's something in his synapses that aren't restricting his right. strength. Right. It and could that kind be of thing, like, similar to Down syndrome or something where it that, there's a built-in limiter for us using our muscles. Right. And that's and, either off or malfunctioning. Right. So Bill tries to convince Narby of the fact that space exists, but it's he knows it's not working. He says, okay, fine, fine, fine. Let's drop it until you see it. Right. Uh, Narby flat out refuses and tries to leave again. And they say, no, you're, you're going. Just fucking force him, yeah. You're going. So they carry him. Yeah. Narby sees space and his mind is blown. Okay. I'm waiting for one of these guys to see it and then say, no, I don't believe it. Seems like they all believe it. So far, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Uh, the trip might be real. They go over the plan with Narby and Narby goes over the problems. Uh, order and discipline must be maintained. Mm-hmm. That's Narby's big thing. Right. If you, if you cause chaos, the whole thing is going to fall apart. So peace and good eating must be achieved between the muties and the crew. How? That's, that's what they're working out. 
These are like, he, okay. Narby's like, here's the problems. Because if you bring the crew into the muties, they're going to tear each other apart. We right. have to achieve a peace first. So turn the muties into vegetarians. Yes. Teach them how to farm. We're back to the other book. <laughs> <laughs> uh, these are lizard men. Not all of the officers are going to agree. Get the ones to agree with you, then blow their minds. Right. You know, show them space. They don't have to know, like the other officers don't have to know why they're doing something. But if you get like the ones in charge, they can just do things and the other people will, will obey. We kind of right. mentioned that earlier. At first, all they need to do is just obey. Bill says that Joe Jim controls the largest muty gang and he can bring the rest of the muties together. But all Narby hears is muties fighting muties and I could mop up the rest. Sure. Uh, okay. Narby maneuvers them into saying, well, the captain would be a problem because he's never going to go along with it. A new captain has to be chosen. We got to kill the old captain. Right. They just flat out say it. And there's a mention like it's there's almost like a narrator at this point who says and no one reacts to the fact that Narby mentioned assassinating the captain. It was just everyone was like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. OK. Um, Bill thinks he'd be good at it, but he knows that Narby's cooperation revolves around this decision. Right. So he's like, I would be a good captain, but we have to get Narby on board. And mm-hmm. to do that, we have to give him the captainship. So they all, someone says, I don't know if it's Bobo or Joe Jim says, well, what if, what if he was, was the captain? Okay. And he was like, no, no, I'm, I want to be an astrogator. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, oh, that settles it then. It's got to be Narby. Can't you be both? No. Why not? So Narby is going to be co-captain with Joe Jim. So Joe Jim can kind of handle the muty part. Right. Narby handles the crew. Everyone returns back to their normal places. Okay. Like nothing happened. The officers are called together and they read the agenda for the meeting. These are the meeting minutes. And the captain's just being a dick. And he's like, no, but do you have the minutes? Yes, I have the minutes. Well, read them already. Why aren't you reading them? I mean. So they're giving you reason to. Hate the captain. Yeah. Immediately. Mm-hmm. Narby reads the first item on the list. The deposition of the captain. Nice. Captain flips. Not literally. No. He's too fat. Yes. Narby receives a scrap of paper that just says ready on it. He okay. just gets a scrap of paper that says ready. And he goes into it. He demands that the muties be brought under regulations, same as the crew. No laws exist to keep them out. Narby had arranged a truce with the muties, and uh, he points to the door. Jojim busts in okay. with swords and armor. Oh, shit. <laughs> and a gang of muties also with swords and armor. Right. Okay. Not, not just Jojim. It's actually more intimidating than that. None of the crew wants to spark a war, so they receive the delegation in peace, all except for the captain, who screams, get them out of here. Uh, Jojim throws a knife in his eye. Ooh, I like him. Yeah. Now it's mutiny, right? I mean, yeah. they're, they're committing mutiny. Oh, yeah. Narby orders two of his crew to carry the captain outside. And an old man says, you're going to pay for this mutiny. Okay. Jordan will not hear of this. Uh, and it's funny because he says Jordan will not hear of this. And then a throwing knife sticks out of his ear. And he so dies. It sticks out? Like they threw a knife into his ear. Oh, okay. I'm, and it's... and The way you said that made me think of it, it popped out of his ear. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. was confusing I mean, it's me. fast enough. That's kind of what it looked like. I'm sure it He is. will not hear of this. Clunk. You won't hear, bitch. Exactly. But he's dead. Okay, good. So they, they go through this. They, they go through the, the crew uh, quarters and silence anybody who rebels. That, okay. I got to... All right. <laughs> I, I'm being very positive about all this, but this is fucked. Yes. This is <laughs> This horrible. is really bad. This is the mass murder of who knows how many people, and they don't yeah. get numbers. This is uh, Nazi shit. Exactly. <laughs> this is not a good thing. The phrase is used, long knives make short work. I like it. It's great. I like it. I like um, it, but I, I, I'm... Uh, 
what's the word? I'm a conscientious objector. Look, here. it's better to have a little blood now than a lot of blood later. I guess. This seems like a lot of blood now, though. <laughs> yes. But this is both true for the crew and the muties. During all of this, Hugh is in the control room. Okay. He is used to violence, but he's more curious than, like, he, he is, it's just not his thing. Like, right. Violence exists, but eh, I'm not interested. He's learning how to understand the way the ship works, the way it controls. Uh, the, the more moving parts, the more things might break. But this ship is simple. It's incredibly sophisticated. Right. But it's it's simple. It was designed in such a way. The designers wanted this ship to reach, and this is where we find this out. The designers wanted this ship to reach its destination about 60 years after its departure. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, much more time had passed, but they had planned because when when they set out, they had people who were trained on the ship, but they knew that when they got there, there wouldn't be people who were trained on how to do things because right. so much yeah. time had passed. So it, it was designed to function simply mm-hmm. so that people could figure it out. And a lot of the processes are actually automated. So he's learning how to convert parsecs to the units that they use now. He studies a long time and he can safely finally call himself an astrogator. Hugh meets up with Jojim and Narby, who update him. Narby says that they aren't showing, uh, they're not showing the officer's space yet. They need to wait until the war is over because a religious conflict isn't what they need right now. Right. So right now it's just, we're integrating the muties. Then it's going to be, by the way, everything's a lie. Right. <laughs> Hugh agrees reluctantly, but like he understands, but he's like, well, why don't we just show them? But okay, I guess so. And Narby leaves. Jojim and Hugh talk about how if they were supposed to depart the ship at some point, there must be an actual door somewhere. It's okay. going to exist. Jojim mentioned several other doors along the outside. And he was like, why didn't you mention them before? And he's like, you didn't ask. Okay, dick. Yep. <laughs> uh, so they force, uh, they, they find a door and they force it open. And it, it doesn't lead to space, which the author then says is lucky because they would have just shot out into space. Yeah, they don't know shit about the vacuum of space. But now we start getting to the thing where the narrate, where the author plays the narrator and will just mention things. Yeah. Like, it didn't happen in all the rest of the book. Now it's happening. That's like the fucking, And it's hilarious. It's the fucking Hobbit. Exactly. There's a narrator. Exactly. And then it goes perspective. And then every now and then the narrator will pop in. But it, it didn't happen until now. They find uh, another compartment. And that compartment kind of splits off and Jojim and Hugh split up. They find another converter. They find they find a small converter. Um, this one is dead. It's not working. Okay. Uh, they find another door and they force it open. And it leads to another compartment with another door. That leads to another compartment. I'm pretty sure I just added three compartments in there because I have three lines that are like the same thing. <laughs> they found a bunch of compartments. A bunch of compartments. And eventually they find one with a set of acceleration chairs, just like the ones in the control room. Okay. They don't talk about the chairs. I don't know. But I guess they're chairs that can function in, in no gravity. So they find the set of acceleration chairs. They match the ones in the control room. He finds another light that's blinking and it says airlock open. Oh, fuck. So that's what they had gone through. It was an airlock. Oh, okay. Not an exterior airlock. Correct. Just an airlock. Okay. Right. The narrator says it's good that they didn't figure out what this was because if they'd powered the converter, the ship door would have closed and they would have been launched and blasted into space. Oh, yeah. Which yep. would have been a funny ending to this. It would have been. It would have been great. Uh, but apparently this is a ship's boat. It is a, a a little ship, like a little life ship. Yeah, 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 like a escape pod sort exactly, of. Exactly, exactly. It's a shuttle to be used to escape the ship, but they don't know that. This is the narrator telling right. us that. They just think it's another control room for some reason. They, they argue over the purpose, um, and Hugh talks about what if part of the ship could move on its own, but they don't know how that would work. It's right. just a theory, so they argue again. They look around, they find a ship's log. Okay. I'm surprised they didn't find one sooner. <laughs> Well, here's why. It's full of dates saying cruising as before, next day cruising as before, next day cruising until it hits a mutiny. Okay. They demand an answer from the captain. 
the mutineers do. They want to know what's going on. At this point, the the it's very um, Book of Doran in the minds of Moria, mm-hmm. talking about they are coming, the door is shut, yada yada. The crew is rebelling, power is failing. The mutiny was suppressed, but now ninety percent of the personnel are dead. They need to figure oh. out how to survive. The ship's clock no longer functions, so we don't know what date it is. The main converter's no longer running. No one knows how exactly to run the ship. One in twenty babies are born with mutations. They must not be allowed to live. Oh. The captain was. I, I'm the, the the person writing is now the captain, and he says I was five when the ship set out. Now I'm an old man looking to choose my successor. Uh, it is increasingly hard to talk to people about life before the ship because for most of them, they only know the ship. Right. So we see the descent here and the captain eventually says, I need to hide this book to preserve a record mm-hmm. because they're going to throw it in the converter because it's meaningless to them. Right. So I need to hide. So that's why they hide it here. And that's why nobody else had found it. Oh, okay. Uh, Hugh keeps this a secret from Narby. Why? So this is Hugh and Joe Jim are there. Yeah. Right. And Hugh's like, we, we got to, let's not tell Narby about this place. Okay. They just don't trust him. They just don't trust him. Okay. Um, not out of spite though, but it's more because he, Hugh takes the mindset of he doesn't really need to know. Right. Mm-hmm. And Joe Jim says, no, screw him. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, they draw closer to the star and Hugh works out how to slow the ship without crashing straight into the star. That's good. So he begins to con- the, the process to control the ship to look around for planets. So now he's figuring out how the controls actually work. He is an astrogator. He is, right. he is doing what his job is. So he goes to Jojim and Narby uh, and, and wants, to, wants to get them. But he gets a message saying that it's time. So Hugh has to go back to the control room because now it's, it is time they're approaching the, the, the star system. Right. Alan goes to get Jojim and Narby. Okay. So he was like, hey, I got to go. Go pick them up. Bring them to the control room. We'll figure this out. So Alan goes and uh, Alan approaches the captain's office and Alan is now the chief engineer. Okay. I think Bill is assisting Narby. So Alan took over as chief engineer to okay. make sure that those duties get done. I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. All of these names, I am having a, a shit time trying to keep track of who is what. So <laughs> Bill was the chief engineer who locked our main character okay. away, but yeah. then eventually joined him. Right. Alan is the kid from the beginning who ended up killing Mort in a duel. Completely fucking forgot all of them. He was kind of a messenger boy in the middle. Okay. Um, Narby is the former got Narby. captain yeah, who is okay. now the captain. Those are the players. But uh, he's the chief engineer, so he's like a big, he's a big deal. But the guard stops him and says, hey, you got to take out your weapons. Mm-hmm. Maybe you can't enter the captain without weapons. Narby says, I'm the chief engineer. Like, this is fine. And the guard says, no, 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 you can't do it. Right. Uh, so Alan thinks weird, but I guess he remembers what we did to the old captain and he just doesn't want that to happen to him. So sure. Here, take my weapons. So he, uh, he walks in and Narby is fighting with Joe Jim over who is captain. <laughs> okay. Joe Jim says that Narby wants to disarm the muties and Narby says, well, yeah, they can't have weapons. Mm, okay. Joe Jim says, but the crew can have weapons. So my people need weapons because right. if we don't have weapons, we're targets. Right. And Joe and uh, Narby says, well, yeah. <laughs> He's not even trying. No. <laughs> I wasn't looking at my notes when I said that, but that is exactly what I said. Narby says, well, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's exactly what I wrote. Uh, but they were supposed to be coworkers. I mean, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Equals. So Hugh, I, I, Hugh's there at this point because he had gone with Alan. Mm-hmm. But I didn't realize that until now. But it makes sense because I, th- I thought just Alan had gone to go see the crew or to go see them, but no, he would come with them. Okay. Um, because he was, uh, because I, I wrote the last part incorrectly. He didn't go back to the control room. He 
um, went with Alan to see Joe and uh, Narby. Um, and Hugh says, okay, this, like, this is fine. We can settle this. But right now we have to get back because we have to figure out what's going on. Right. If we miss this opportunity, it'll be at least two more generations before we can get close to another star. <sighs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And Narby says, well, okay, then it's, then it's two more generations. Fuck you. Did Fucking you really asshole. think that I believed you? Oh my God. Fucking kill him right now. I'm the captain <laughs> and you're insane. Look at me. Look at me. I am captain. Oh no, I've been stabbed. <laughs> you're crazy to think that anything as large as this ship can move. Fuck you. The control room is nothing more than a hoax to help people believe. That's that's what it was made for. Yeah. It was made to help people believe, but now people believe on their own, so we don't need it anymore. He doesn't give a shit about what he believes. He just wants power and control. He contends that the stars and the shadow play is just an illusion. I mean, that window that He's, led into space that they saw. technically correct. That was just, well, they did. The little they holographic did see, stars are illusions. I didn't, I didn't say this. They did see the captain's veranda, which right. is a window into space. Okay. Is it? I hope it's shielded. It's glass. Uh, it's a type of just glass. It's a type of glass. Oh no! It's lasted for this long, so it's fine. I'm, I mean, but they're getting dosed with cosmic radiation. Yeah, <laughs> the thing. I don't. Failed, they, right? I don't know if they have shields or not. They don't know. Okay. Um, but they did. They did talk about how the, the cosmic radiation did fail, but uh, or the cosmic shielding did fail. But uh, uh, Narby says that no, that's that wasn't looking out into space. That was looking into another compartment that had little lights in it. And Jojo says, well, did you go to that other compartment? He said, no, but I don't need to. It's fine. And it's it's very much the I refuse to believe, so I'm going to make up an excuse to justify everything. Yeah. That mentality that I know you love. No, I really don't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Bill Ertz says, okay, but what if what if we keep it a secret? What if we try and move the ship? Yeah. If we're right, awesome. If we're not, we won't tell a soul and things will continue the yeah, way they are. It doesn't make a difference. Just try it. Narby says, all right, but whatever. So Ertz says, what's going to go on with the muties? And Narby says, eh, forget about it. Jojim says, my men were promised good eating, so they get to keep their knives. Your prisoners, I don't care about. Those who you took prisoner, they're weak. I don't care about them. But my men were promised. Narby right. says, oh, by the way, your gang's all dead. Oh, my God. Like, that's the whole reason I called you in here. <laughs> um, at this point, five knife men appear behind yeah. the group. Oh, my God. Bobo lunges at his guard, overpowers him. Hugh has a knife to his back and he like twists out of the way and manages to get the knife and kill his guard. Some kind of bullshit. Kind of. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's plot armor. Eventually they all, they all fight and nobody's seriously injured here. So they, they, okay. they, they are able to escape. Narby bolts at the first sign of confrontation. Right. Of course. Yeah. Cause he's a coward. I picture him as the, uh, the, the, the master at Lake town. Yeah. The yeah. 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 Slimiest piece of shit. Yeah. Very similar. It's like the master <laughs> combined with Grima. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So they continue to fight and they run. Bobo gets a knife to the ribs. Oh no! They, not Bobo. They leave it in because they realize if we pull it out, he's not gonna he's not gonna survive. Okay, so we got to keep it in until we can do something about it. So Bobo says he can still walk, um, and he can still fight. So they start running, and Bobo gets weaker and weaker as they go. But gravity's getting less and less, so it kind of helps them a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and eventually they do have to carry Bobo, but again, gravity's getting less. So they, they kind of trade off and, and carry him with them. Right. He realizes that the ship's boat is the only way to escape because Narby's going to have the whole ship after them. Okay. The muties are all, for all they know, the muties are dead. Yeah. All and it's them? just the crew. I mean, Jojim's gang was the strongest one and his gang's dead. It's kind of pathetic. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, 
for whatever reason, I was just imagining that the muties equaled the village. Yeah, I don't. I don't think they ever did. They're probably just a small group. Yeah, and then the village people were like a lot more. I guess. I am seeing. So Bobo says, "Bobo tired, boss." <laughs> I don't like it. They pull out the knife, and they realize that he's not going to make it. Fucking hell. Joe takes the knife and he says, good Bobo, strong Bobo. Bobo smiles. He understood. And Joe gently cuts his jugular, avoiding the trachea. Ugh. So he bleeds out, but doesn't suffocate. Right. He says, good Bobo. I teared fucking, up at this. Yeah, fucking rough, man. I teared up. Bobo was my favorite character. <laughs> and we killed Bobo. So there's a part now where they split up and they say, we have to go get the women. And there was a line before where, like, Bill Ertz has a wife, Alan has a wife. Okay. Um, I didn't mention this because it it's just one sentence, but uh, Hugh has a mutie wife and a crew wife. Okay. But it's just one sentence where he married two girls. That's it. Oh, my God. So <laughs> right. they, they go and get the women, and literally one of them shows up with a black eye okay. because Bill had to tell her twice. <laughs> Just some good old fashioned domestic abuse. This there there is no like they talk about Edris and that she was married, and then they talk about how Hugh married two girls. Yeah, but there's no other like actual misogyny or anything like that. Just <laughs> she wouldn't come, so I punched her, and yeah. now she's here. Oh my god, it's amazing, and by amazing I mean horrible, but just completely out of the blue. Yeah, fucking hell. Yeah. So as they run, they're being pursued by an army. Joe Jim turns, throws his knife, and then a wall of knives hits him. He's in oh he's my in armor. God. Yeah. Okay. But it says that they waited and six knives hit him at once. Ay. Even if you're wearing armor, that's still I mean that's a lot hurt. of bludgeoning. Yeah. It's a lot of yeah. <laughs> um, a lot of blunt force all of a sudden. Jim says it'll take a lot more than that to stop us. And Uh-oh. he looks over to Joe. Uh oh. And Joe has a knife Uh-oh. sticking out of his helmet. Oh fucking hell. What do you do? Do you just cut off that head? Well, Jim realizes, oh, oh no. And he turns to Hugh and he says, I'm going to hold him off. Get out. Yeah. So Jim takes his sword and he charges into them and he just starts swinging left and right. He's avoiding legs because legs don't really matter in in low gravity. You can use your arms. So he's cutting whatever he can. And he says, that's for Bobo. And that's for Joe. And that's for me. All for one. And one for, and he is silenced. Is Joe's head just flopping all over the place as he's fighting? I imagine. You know, the thing with conjoined twins is if one dies, usually the other dies. Well, the other died. Yeah. He didn't really have much of a choice there. No. Wait, no. Um, The gang gets to the ship. They lift off. The book says that they lucked into the orbit of a planet the size of Jupiter. Uh, that's not good. <laughs> and they were figuring out the size of Jupiter, but it's a, it's a solid planet. Yeah. He but that they, means intense gravity. <laughs> yeah. But they, they, the book literally says they lucked into the orbit. They lucked into the fact that this one star happened to have a planet of the same similar of a similar atmosphere composition to earth and that they lucked into this orbit and that luckily <laughs> the crew had planned for people not being able to pilot the ship. So it has an autopilot feature. Okay. I, wait, hold, wait, <laughs> the narrator says this. Lucked out to a planet that's habitable by, by humans. Yes. That's not lucked out. 
That's God is real and he's looking out for you. That's what that means. Praise Jordan. Praise Jordan, because the percentage of planets out there with oxygen in their atmosphere is less than like a one thousandth of a percent. Less than that. And that's just oxygen. There's a a balance of gases. It is very specific. It's stupid. (laughs) But at least the narrator acknowledges it. And he's like, hey, by the way, this is just a plot device. I would appreciate if the author was like, hey, don't think about this. But they found a planet they could live on. (laughs) So they land. And uh, this is another part of random misogyny. Okay. But the book says... The other wife, the unnamed one, kept to herself. The mutant wife. Yes. Obviously. But that's, gee, I wonder why she kept to herself. She was depressed as fuck. She doesn't have a name. (laughs) It says, quote, the other one, the unnamed one. Yeah. Oh, my God. How could you have a wife that doesn't have a name? Well, she's there for one purpose and one purpose only. I call her my fuck doll. So they do end up they do end up having to use some of the books for fuel. And Hugh says that he would rather have used one of his wives. <laughs> I wonder which one. Maybe the one without a fucking name. <laughs> like there's just there's there's nothing. And then there's just oh my God. so much misogyny right in a row. Yeah. It's incredible. There's there's no you it's painfully obvious the author's like background yes because i mean i noticed right away that there's no significant female characters like there's no conversation or anything like it's just uh it's all men and only men matter yes (laughs) and it's not stated but they're all white men yeah it's it's (laughs) yeah jesus this is very much a product of its time oh yeah very much 1941 you said yes we're lucky they dodged the n-word yeah, I guess they're all white men, so it doesn't matter. I mean, mute mutie is kind of an N word, kind of. But yeah. they, the muties also, well, say so the muties also call themselves muties, but uh, you're not making a point here. I know. <laughs> I am not the person to have the conversation. So the ship lands, and they 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 have finished Jordan's trip. They okay. made it. Right. They don't know if it's the right place, but who cares? It's. I'm telling you, it's not the right place. <laughs> they they leave the ship, and the women press forward. They say, are we there, Captain? And Hugh says, shut up. You're making that up. I'm not. You're making that up. He didn't just say. He says, shut up. Why? Why are you being so mean? So they leave the ship and they start exploring, but they're hit with like extreme agoraphobia. Oh, yeah. They've never been outside. Exactly. Everything. So agoraphobia, for those who don't know, and I definitely didn't ask somebody about this yesterday. (laughs) Um, is the fear of leaving your home. Le- yeah, exactly. Leaving the, the home, leaving an enclosed space. Yeah. Um, some call it fear of open spaces, but yeah. So they, like the sky is such a foreign concept to them. Right. I'm sure just sunlight is overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. They say they get, they get dizzy. Like when they first get on, cause they have to get used to the different, yeah. the different that, atmosphere. There's a, a fascinating bit of, uh, the show, the expanse where a group of Martian military have to go to earth for a un tribunal Mm -hmm. and they go through the soldiers already go through intense training so that they can be deployed on any planet right currently inhabited and earth has the highest gravity so they're already like trained for that but they have to take like 
these pills to make their bones a little bit more dense. Sure. Improve their circulation. Like the expanse goes into detail about the difference in physiology because of where you grew up. Yeah. And it's a fascinating part of the story when they have to go to earth for an extended period and they're all wearing like these heavy duty sunglasses. Yeah. 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 And, and like some of them just, as soon as they step out, they just start puking. (laughs) It's like really cool. I mean, and it totally, it kind of makes sense. I can see it here where they wouldn't necessarily have to do all of that because they were on the, like the crew was on the part of the ship that had had gravity that was realistic, quote unquote, to earth. But you said it's Jupiter sized planet. And it actually says it's bigger than Jupiter, but uh, that would be like 20 times the gravity, maybe even more than that. Yeah, but it's fine. Jesus. It's fine. They leave the shadow of the ship for the open spaces. They catch a critter. It's not really defined what it is. Okay. They say good eating and the book ends. It's led to believe it's a happy ending, but it doesn't go into detail. It's not. The, Hugh thought about burning one of his wives. It's not going to be. A, and then a, told them to fucking shut up. I see really unhappy future here. And a relatively small gene pool. Yeah. You. Uh, uh, no. <laughs> There's so many problems. Yeah. Yeah, there are. Oh, God. I was really into this book until the very end. <laughs> At the end of every episode of this show, the person who read the book must give the book a rating. Our rating system consists of five levels. At the bottom, we have toilet paper. The book is only worth the physical material that it's made of. The next level is shampoo bottle. It's better than nothing. Mm -hmm. If if you need to read something, you got nothing to do. Might as well read it. It's a shampoo bottle, baby. The next one is Ikea manual. It's competent, but not very entertaining. The next one is Kindle pick. Worth buying electronically and or discounted. And then the last one, the highest rating we can give a book is hardcover. Instant classic, a must-have. So Hingle McCringleberry, what is your rating for Children of the Sky? Orphans Orphans of the Sky. sky. (laughs) Well, the artist formerly known as Squeeps. I was going to give this a hardcover. Really? I was going to give, it was really entertaining. It read really well. Up until the wife beating. (laughs) Up until the random misogyny. Yeah. (laughs) That dropped it down a point for me because it came, it came, like if it had been present through the the entire book and there was like a history of it, I could not agree with it, but maybe accept it as a platform. It's just random violence. It just happens out of nowhere. Yeah. (laughs) I had to tell her twice. We should have burned her. She doesn't have a name. Shut up. God damn. Yeah. All in the last. Yeah. It's just out of nowhere. And that, honestly, it took me out of it so much. Like, I was in the universe. I was in the lore. Yeah, it's not perfect, but it's a short story. It was never going to be. Right. But you didn't have to do that. Right. It didn't serve a purpose, really. Exactly. It it didn't serve a purpose. There was no purpose. It added nothing to the plot. Bobo died for this? Bullshit. Bobo died for this. (laughs) Good Bobo. Strong Bobo. Oh, Bobo. Is there any illustrations of Bobo? Uh, not in the book, but I can, let me see if I can, I'm, I'm sure there's either fan art or like a wiki or something I like that. I want to get a framed photo of an illustration of Bobo and text that says, good Bobo, strong Bobo, and put it on our shelf. <sighs> or we could just get a random picture I, of a monster. <laughs> I don't, I don't see, I see various interpretations of Joe Jim, because he's obviously right. easy to distinguish. Some of them, he's just literally like. He's just a guy with two heads. 
Oh, okay. Like just straight up normal body two heads. Some of them he's um, mutated to where he has like two necks and right, two, you right. Know, that, kind that of looks thing. better. I it it, it kind of that's more what I was picturing. Um, but no, there is. I don't see. I don't even see any. I don't see any art of of Bobo. Um, but no, I want I want that too. I'm just a good Bobo, strong Bobo. That's all it's gonna say. <laughs> good Bobo. I miss Bobo. But yeah, I give this I give this a Kindle pick because it really is a good book. It is entertaining all the way through. It doesn't have it doesn't really have any slow beats. Right. Like it kept it kept kind of just going and going even when there wasn't action, which there wasn't a lot of action. There was like three different set pieces. Um, the dialogue and the universe was so interesting to me. But I think if because I went into this knowing that it was a ship that had been going on for generations that they didn't know was a ship anymore. Right. If I didn't know that. I think I would have been really confused as to what was going on until about the halfway point. Right. And then right. I would have just hated it. <laughs> you would have hated it? Yeah. Because it wouldn't have been like, oh, the whole thing's, ah, oh, whatever. I don't care. <laughs> okay. Because at that point, I think I would have been so, I tend to get disenfranchised pretty early. Right. And I think I would have been so bored of what's going on and not really caring that the revelation would, would have been underwhelming. Yeah. And it's also probably a bit of a trope by now. Yeah. The, the, where are we? Oh, we're on a spaceship flying through space. I've exactly. seen that done a couple times. Exactly. So. It's, it's, it wouldn't have grabbed me the way the description of the book did. Right. Um, but I do, I do recommend reading it. It is thoroughly entertaining. Um, you got Bobo. Yeah. <laughs> you got Bobo. You got Bobo. It definitely sounds like a book I would have loved as a kid. Yes. Yes, yeah, absolutely. And it very much has that vein of, uh, of like a children's novel or like a young adult kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, it's it was very, very it was a lot more entertaining than uh, than chasing the dragon. OK, yeah. oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I don't yeah. even want to talk about that book. Anymore. It wasn't it wasn't hard. <laughs> Heroin didn't save the day. Ugh. Wife beating was involved. But, you know. Yeah. If we were on heroin, we probably would have enjoyed it more. Probably. But, uh, you know, that's not something I can answer for sure or not. Yeah. I don't know if I would have. Uh, but we have all kinds of ways to get in contact with us. We have socials. Yeah. We have Twitter. We have Instagram, both you, at you, a page too far. You guys can email us at a page too far at gmail.com. That's a page T-O-O far at gmail.com. We also have a Patreon. Support us there. We, we love doing the show. We want to keep it ad free. To do that, we need a little bit of an income. We're supporting it ourselves, but anything helps a lot. Um, you yeah. get bonus episodes. Yeah, we have so much bonus content on our Patreon. We have outtakes. Mm-hmm. Not everything that we record goes into an episode. Arguably, most of it doesn't. Oh, there's a good, probably 20 minutes of this one is not <laughs> Probably. I'd be surprised if it was less than 20 minutes. I'd be surprised if it was less than 25. So we take all of that gold. Not all of it, some of it. We take some we of take that gold. We take the gold in all of that garbage. And we put together monthly outtakes, which you can get on Patreon for only $3 a month. And in addition to that, you also get early access to our regular episodes. Mm -hmm. And then the second tier up, you get bonus episodes. We do at least one bonus episode every month just for you guys. And those are longer. We don't cut out as much. We talk about bigger things. Sometimes we don't talk about a specific book. We talk about an author or collective works or maybe random shit we don't know yet. But go check us out and uh, support us if you can. We'd appreciate it. Thank you for your membership. Have a nice day. Uh, hashtag B- Bobo lives on. In our oh, hearts. hashtag Bobo lives. <laughs> Hit us up with hashtag Bobo lives. Bobo lives. <laughs> Send us your fan art of Bobo if you're a fan artist, please. Oh, if we have art, then we're, we're going to make a little, uh, what do you call it? Shrine. We'll make a shrine to Bobo. We'll have a, a picture and we'll have the words uh, good Bobo, strong Bobo. Yep. And we're just going to have that on our shelf. We need to add more things to our shelf. We, we do. Two things. So. Thro- throw up 
throw up some fan art of Bobo. We will we will put it up on our socials. You will be given credit. Like, Absolutely. I want this. Catch you next time. Good Bobo.